0: Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Be told you never saw men in trouble where the law since the day they was born. Straighten the curve. Good old boys. I'm Mark. Bog Beef. I'm HTML.
1: HTML Minkin at at HTML Minkin. A legendary
0: That's
2: poster. Right. Also ha ha ha
0: the most amazing internet blog name. That's my dead name, Merrick. You dead named me. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: this, um, there's a, a very cringe guy, but he had this funny theory. Um, uh, Victor Davis Hanson, right? Mm-hmm. Real goofball. Yeah. Um, he had this. Uh, he had this theory that like the the perfect, like the perfect man was a rural historian. <laughs> This this yeah. was like the man. This was like the man of war. This is the the um, and that that's what you are. Uh, no, no, no,
0: I'm not. But, King, you know, <laughs> it, no, they got this. They got that shit from Harvey Mansfield, yeah, uh, <laughs> Victor Davis <laughs> Hanson and 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 Bill Crystal. Got that shit from uh, Harvey Mansfield because he's like this tweety guy who thinks he's an English country gentleman historian. That's where this shit comes from, and I'm not. I mean, I'm English, but not like that. So, no, wrong. Yeah, I, I
1: was, I was more picturing like, um, you know, like uh, uh, Caesar Alexander, and they're they're overseeing the 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 state in Campania and and uh you know settling down with the letters the main thing we're going to talk so you you've got a pretty incredible story that sort of just um it fell through the I mean you know you got a lot of stories this this is a man of stories but there's one story in particular we we want to look at today that's just sort of uh there's kind of like an armchair internet uh history of um yeah. of sort of like where all these assholes came from <laughs> It's so like a lot of people know about something awful and they know about Tumblr and stuff like that. But there's a, a big hole that's missing. And it's it's uh, what's this place called?
0: Well, it's Shakespeare. But more generally, it's the entire Bush era blogosphere. Uh, the The politics online as it existed before social media. That's what's missing. That's what people don't know about. And I I do I know where the bodies are buried, as it were.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's funny to see the 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 kind of characters um, that'll uh, that'll uh, straighten up how they talk when you're uh, when you pop in the thread.
2: Uh, they... <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, Ezra Klein and Matt Iglesias just uh, just left you know, Vox. They they were pretty much the people who founded it. They you know, they are they are Vox for all intents and purposes, right?
0: Oh, yeah. But they didn't yeah. start out
2: like that. Uh, tell, can you tell – could you give us like a, a brief description of what they were, how they made their bones?
0: They were snot-nosed college kids who were both in, uh, you know, fairly – well, of course, Iglesias was at Harvard. Uh, but Ezra was with the hippies at uh, UC Santa Clara. And they were both like – just generic. I mean, bear in mind this is two thousand one, two thousand two. They're both grew up generic, um, as are upper middle class, Iglesias, filthy rich, uh, generic liberals, Clintonoid type liberals, and then they are in college when nine eleven happens, and it makes the the other students' reaction to nine eleven think about where they're at. Makes them Iglesias and Klein react in turn, and it makes them more right wing.
1: A lot of walkouts and, and things like this were going on at the time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and and I mean at Santa Clara, I mean those are hippies playing hacky sack, reading Chomsky anyway, and tons of weed. Oh God, yeah. So uh, these two become you know, serious bow tie type pundits just in college. And then they both have these amateur blogs and the the thing I will say for both of them, uh, they have work ethic and they had work ethic. They, they did it every day. I could never do that. It's just, it, they did the work. They did the work in the literal sense. That's right. Yeah. And, and uh, they so they're reacting against these anti-war hippies, and then that makes them the perfect new crop of centristy pundits, and that's what they became. They both worshiped late 90s era New Republic. Uh, you can re- if you go back and look at Iglesias' early stuff, he wants to be Michael Kins. That's his shtick, that's his affect. Except when it comes to Israel-Palestine, he wants to be Marty Peretz himself. He is <laughs> early, early, no shit, dude. Early Matt Iglesias is some bloodthirsty, I don't say racist very much, but that motherfucker was racist. Against Arabs. Yeah, the famous uh,
2: Halloween costume where he's uh, he oh, yeah. like oh. a jihadi. <laughs>
0: And well, and then there's the other one where he's the uh Jamaican taxicab in blackface kind of. <laughs> I've never
2: seen that
0: one. <laughs> well he's got like he's got like dreadlocks, yeah, yeah. Think think Michael Palin in <laughs> a fish called Wanda, you know, with the like wig he's got the hat. I mean shit no. that they would bury you for nowadays. And he got away with it all. So
2: did my governor. As long as you're on the right side, it doesn't matter. No, for the,
1: right. So now for the this this other story, the Shakespeare thing, I think one of the things that's sort of like com- confusing and sort of comes up a lot is that um everyone knew that thing like, okay, I'm gonna throw bring a word into the conversation now. Wokeness. Right. <laughs> and and I think uh one of the things that I think confused everybody was everyone knew that this was a thing going on on campuses for maybe some time, but the 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 blood brain barrier had never been <laughs> brought, had hadn't been crossed yet, you know. <laughs> Like uh,
2: there's a there's a good like anti comparison between uh, Ezra Klein, Maddie Iglesias and Shakespeare. It's like the reason that I think that Ezra and Maddie and people like that took off is because you you always need uh, for younger people you need novel ways to to inject the information in their brains the the younger people don't trust they didn't trust uh, news radio they didn't trust cable news Uh, but they you know just seeing bloggers why just another guy telling telling you something or you know. Today podcast, I guess, uh, but but Shakespeare was a different creature. It was a it, no, nobody put it put a crown on any of those people. Like the, they were ahead of the curve, but it was like kind of like being uh, Barry Goldwater ahead of the curve. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. That, that's a good analogy, Mark. Mary. Um, she was Tumblr before Tumblr.
1: <laughs> right. So, okay. So let's, let's get to how Shakespeare starts. So is this before or after MySpace? And then, and then who, and then who is it? Let's introduce the, this, the, the, the Palpatine okay. of, of, uh, Shakespeare.
0: Her name was, uh, Melissa McEwen and she has been an online figure, I guess probably since 2002 or three and she quit everything in a huff uh last year 2019 so she was on that whole time she started out fairly normally i if you don't mind i kind of want to set the scene for how the internet was different back then than it is now because i think if you're like a gen z or even a you know a younger millennial you didn't experience the internet the same way before facebook and twitter took off You know, all you had was, you had MySpace, but the way MySpace was structured, you couldn't do group things. You could have friends, of course, but it wasn't like Facebook where it supported networking in a way that is amicable to political organizing. So it just, it wasn't that way. You had to hunt for stuff. You had to hunt for things that were below the surface, you know. Also, in general, there were fewer people online because smartphone... When was the first iPhone? 2007? You know, before then, a few rando, nerdy tech guys had Blackberries, but that was it. Yeah. So you to be online, you had to have an actual desktop or laptop, and that meant you were a white-collar guy working in an office, and you were dicking off reading blogs while you were at work, or... Uh, you were a neat, and, you know, you set <laughs> on the Internet at home. Uh, but it, just in general, that made for less traffic all around. Uh, it made the Internet skew even more upper-middle class and male. Uh, before blogging, political blogging started, I mean, the only bloggers were weirdo tech libertarian guys. And and that's also mm-hmm. the way that internet skewed. Uh, libertarians were massively overrepresented in every political corner of the internet. That's just the way it oh, was. Yeah. yeah,
1: Your your grandparents, the people that if you remember, if, if you remember people who weren't libertarians back then on the computer, they were in in a, like a, in a ghetto called AOL. <laughs> 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 to use things like news groups and stuff. You basically had to be a, uh, commuter engineer.
0: Uh, It's funny. Like, okay. Um, like Usenet. I mean, I was like just sticking around a chat room meeting people. I'm out in the farm in the middle of nowhere, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, I was looking for some fat jokes and, and back then you didn't even have Google. You had Yahoo search and, That's how I discovered NAAFA, the National Association for Fat Acceptance. They had a youth (laughs) group. And this was how long ago? This was like 1999, 2000. So what I'm I'm getting at is you had extremely woke subcultures or uh, not even that big. But you had little pockets of just outrageous wokeness. The first time, I mean, all this shit is out in the open. Everybody knows about my 600-pound life and all this stuff. But the first time I was ever exposed to that shit, people literally telling each other that that is a healthy weight, it's objectively beautiful, all this stuff that these activists tell each other, I saw it in embryo form on a Usenet site for fat acceptance. Just... Random by accident. These different subcultures—people uh, uh, had live journal, and that's where a lot of the crazy proto-woke people were. Uh, Deviant art—it was all Balkanized <laughs> back then. Shakespeare's genius was all these random little groups, like that, especially fat acceptance. She was big about making that sort of more accepted. Or <laughs> yes, she was big. <laughs> she, uh, she sort of brought them together like, I mean, she was intersectional before her time. And uh, another thing about Shakespeare is that these weren't academic people for the most part. This wasn't jack off shit from campus. These were like a lot of broken people, honestly, a lot of mentally ill people, a lot of people that had I mean, truly marginalized, and where they had been in little pockets here and there, she's she sort of was the e pluribus unum. She she brought them all together, and that had and not happened. If you're
2: yeah, and if you're not like a giant computer nerd or you're, you're younger, you might people might not even know like how web forums worked or I guess they, there still are some around, but not many. It's, like, it's not like right. today, like where you have like Twitter, where you, the company's in charge of moderation or like even like Reddit, where it's kind of like uh, there's a, you know, a crowdsourcing. With the web forum, like you had a, you had a dictator at the, top, uh, at the top who decided to censor anybody at will. And that was just kind of an accepted practice. And that became like a big thing for Melissa McKeown, right?
0: That's right. And, th- and that's, I mean, she let that part of it go to her head because you're right. She came out of that <laughs> web, web board culture where if you have if you have if you're the mod, then you can do anything. You're the dictate dictatress, and that's what she was. And it, I mean, she w- didn't start that way. And the other thing you got to say about Shakespeare, how I first really knew about her is that she and Amanda Marcotte were hired as the campaign bloggers for the John Edwards campaign in 2004. What? <laughs> oh, you didn't know this? Yeah. No. <laughs> John Edwards hired oh. her. It's yeah. like an <laughs> outreach.
1: <laughs> that was the ambulance chaser, right? It
0: lasted yeah, two. It, it lasted like two days. Bill Donahue yeah, no got fired. Wow.
2: I, I, I've never i never been to Shakespeare. Or whatever I just heard about this like through osmosis, people talking about her on Twitter and stuff. But uh, it's like th- this this thing that you see now where people are immediately demanding like, "Hey, can I can I get can you? Somebody ban this person who's saying these words that that are, are, are like tearing into my flesh like razor blades." <laughs> like uh, these, Little violence. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that that you know that these people invented it, but like, you could tell they were kind of brewing up a cocktail that everybody in that circle got used to, and uh, once it, you can't contain this kind of shit. Once it gets out, it leaks into the ground like a toxic waste, and now you have <laughs> Twitter moderation, Facebook moderation.
1: Oh yeah, right. So one of the things that they, that you said that was really insightful and i think this is like really really important is that okay so things like um uh, monarchists white nationalists <laughs> woke stuff um uh, any any like uh, uh communism to be honest um any of these all of these things were were around they they basically were in universities they were in prisons <laughs> <laughs> and because um, I, I mean, and the third place that they really did exist. Uh, so, like you know, you had um, uh, you and uh, Dan Carlin talked about this a long time ago. He's like the only way, like you like. So there were people like, uh, so let's say in terms of white nationalists, or The Richard Spencers back then. The only way you ever talked to him was uh, they they used to just literally uh, they would either randomly xerox your work your work fax <laughs> yeah. machine they would they would fact they just fax random numbers you would get this thing and say hey i have a newsletter uh, this is the same for communism and, and all these other stuff or they would um they would walk around shopping centers and stick them under windshield wipers <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it, it, in, in other words all of these extreme elements were just like um, they 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 were really there in prison and university. Outside that, um, these people were. This wasn't really a virus that had been sort of let into the general population yet. Any any of these extreme political uh, organizations, you just it's very difficult. No,
2: you need a high density of, of crazy or broken people for them to to flourish,
0: but, which you can find easily now online because you can. Right, right. They have to be connected to normies. That's that's what social media does. You can all the hottest takes eventually get ventilated to you know they go viral because somebody will find it and it's easy to make it viral there i guarantee you the most horrible woke tarded insane take you've ever seen on twitter was probably said three or four i don't know dozen times back in the day it didn't go viral it stayed it stayed on whatever message board it was in because there was no way for normal people to see it and go Jesus Christ, look at this, this shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about the what the website is, They're Like like what is like what what is it?
0: Like how I log into Shakespeare. what am I looking at? There just there wasn't much mainstream blog woke stuff back then at all. There was a LASA blog uh, by a guy named Ampersand, and there was Shakespeare. But she started more like uh, what was accepted in in fairly popular in its way, what we'd call awfulness now, awful blogs, uh, the bougie feminism blogs. It, think of the ones you know online that have <laughs> one hundred fifty thousand followers now. Uh, Jessica Valenti, uh, Jill Filipovic, um, Amanda Marcotte, people like that. That's where they oh. started as well. They started on on the blogs and those blog, I mean, honestly, um, our blog, which was like a humor blog was got more traffic than those did. They were like C list.
1: Are they talking to each other in the comments?
0: Is that how the community works? Like, so yeah, uh, you, yeah, it kind of did. It did now mm-hmm. when you get to Shakespeare, though, it got much more intense because she made it a group blog, and there was mm. that way she rewarded the people With extra privileges, extra posting (laughs) privileges, extra moderation privileges when they sucked up to her, kissed her ass, or whatever. And, you know, she punished people who uh, were in, showed insufficient fealty to her. And that's how she made it sort of a cult. And there's a a word for that kind of relationship, right? (laughs) Oh, God.
1: I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen this this uh, this girl who's been in the news uh, a lot, uh, the Twitter news a lot lately. Uh, she's the biggest. I think she's the biggest earner on um, OnlyFans, and uh, Iaya I, yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Um, uh, and she so she came up through, um, uh, and, and so it's not like oh this is the this is the the girl with the biggest boobs in the world, whatever. It's like uh, this is someone who's who. Came up through the community on um, on uh, the Slate Star Codex blog, where oh. there they're the only the only reason I bring it up is that they, they you know they're the only like community function is is commenting on his tweets, and they built an extremely strong community there. Uh, it, Lot lots of lots of people came out. Lots of big posters came out of that, and all they're doing is commenting. Whereas, uh, that's just sort of to relativize this what's going on here to um, the Shakespeare thing.
2: Yeah. If you if you if you hear if you if you're listening to this and you're like, well, why, why, why is this? What, what is what is this? Who are these people? Why does it matter? Uh, you know, you, especially if you if you use Twitter, you talk about politics online. You're living in their world
1: right, the right wing people that came out of, uh salaform and stuff, but but anyway uh, sorry, just anyways uh, uh, uh just a blog, 'cause this that may sound weird, people don't know that, so just like just like a, a blog where someone posted a, a, a an article like here's my comments about the Iraq war, people commenting down below those commenting people those people can become like a community and they and they they get learning, they know each other they get married they they have sex they talk to each other on the phone they build they start they hire each other and they have these lifelong careers and the, all that happens just just from the commenting and the it's just actually. sort of, yeah it's just sort of uh trying to paint this picture of of this this place where all this stuff is going on
0: that that's absolutely right except now i mean it's interesting i didn't know that about uh slate star codex uh that person but um i mean he followed me for a little bit i think his name is scott alexander um and i've read uh, just a a tad of it because uh back in the day freddie DeBoer was really into that i i have to tell you just from what i've seen uh the slate star codex people are massively more stable and intellectual than, (laughs) than the, than the Shakespeare crew. I, you know, and I, am not being mean here, but a lot of the Shakespeare people were broken and, and that's how she could manipulate them. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. Even more so than a, than a normal online type situation. And that is how she, I mean, you you look at this and who got who got successful out of the Bush era blogs? All the bougie feminists did. I mean, Amanda, Jill, Jessica, um, Kate Harding. Um, they all later on Lindy West. They all did what Melissa McCune, what Shakespeare did. But they have careers. She doesn't. She was an outsider, and it's because. Uh, she let herself get a little bit decadent with with the culty shit and with with the freaky. I, I mean, you know, she had a meltdown uh, and refused to watch whatever stupid Disney movie or maybe it was Pixar. Uh, she's <laughs> she's con- look, she's convinced that there is a, a real. I mean, I do this ironically sometimes, but she thinks there's really anti ginger bigotry. And she thought, <laughs> well, since the little princess or whatever that's in this stupid cartoon movie was uh, had freckle uh, had freckles and was a ginger, that it w- that it was uh, anti Scottish, anti ginger bias. <laughs> I mean, this is stuff that I, you know, I mean, people like Amanda, who I think is insane about feminism, she's not going to take that seriously, you know. So it. It really brought the Id poll cranks together.
2: We, we we can kind of see the same dynamic with uh, in tw- on Twitter, where you know we, we talked about it earlier, Iglesias, Ezra Klein. You know they're professional guys. They got they've got backing. They're they're serious people, but. You know they're on the same team as the Antifa nut jobs who are doxing people, making threats and stuff like that. Like you know th- th- these are the you know this is you got the you got the uh, velvet glove and the iron fist, and uh, so Melissa McKeelan's, uh forum full of lunatics. Like you know they're they are doing the same thing that, that uh, Jessica Valenti is doing at the Guardian. Because they're not gonna, they're not gonna sell you out. They're not gonna defect. They're, they're, they're always going to be there because they don't have a, they don't have a damn thing else going for them.
0: And, and they're totally disposable as needed. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah. your cannon fodder, and, and that's exactly what they were. And you know, a lot of them probably ended up in, you know, in bad places. And and look at the successful offals on the other hand. Uh, it, um, Melissa did. Um, well, okay. Like, like I was saying, this crazy shit with the cult, uh, the cult stuff, the really weird stuff. Like, you know, she was scolding people about not making fun of people who can't wipe their asses. Just all this crazy shit. Finally, as the years go by, the new crazy extreme woke tards sort of canceled Melissa because she was she was doing it in an older way, she was never cool. Uh she did cringe shit that seemed cringe even to Tumblr kids, so they canceled her. It's <laughs> rope, rope beard <laughs> taken to the yeah. yeah, to the, uh, yeah. Get <laughs> so what what does she do? She ends up being now she's still insane. She's still as woke you know, to us as anybody. Uh, it just uh, I mean the poster child of radical liberalism but what she does in 2015 or so is she becomes the world's biggest Hillary Clinton fan and she hates mm-hmm. all of the Bernie bros they're all rapists want to be rapists uh, they're all sexist monsters uh, you know that okay there was a, a, a thing where, uh, that happened on Twitter uh, where Nick Mullen and, and Felix Biederman made fun of her. And uh, she just, uh, she played the victim thing so well and uh, eventually guilted, I guess, Felix into an apology. And uh, he uh, he said, well, I'm going to donate like X amount of money to this like woman shelter or whatever. And she's like, no, that should come to me. You should pay me. And she <laughs> says, get out loud. Based. You should pay me for saying that my hand looks like veal.
1: <laughs> I mean, now, th- that's, a com- that's com- very common now. By the way, that's, yeah. that's standard practice now. She was
0: ahead of her time.
1: They'll just drop the cash out. Let's say if you, if you got in, you know, if you said some shit to me, uh, you know, uh, uh drop drop the change in the jar right here. It's not my job to educate you. <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying it's not true, but there's a lot of people who think, like, um, these places, like, something awful and stuff that, like, uh, like because if you look at them, if you look at these these blogs, these late Star Codex, like, why are all these people who came out of these things so successful, right? And there's a lot of people think, well, these, all these people were basically, this is, the, the CIA put their hand on the scale and, <laughs> and, and, and they, and, and that's what happened. Uh, you know, like, why are these, like, because you. Literally, if you think through the the big time blue checks, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a majority, but a a lot of them, they they got they got their start in these these places. You know, like uh, if you look at like the the late 60s, like there's there's sort of this there's cultural uh, there's this cultural moment with the hippies and stuff. These people like like John Lennon and. Take a John Lennon. He's a couple of years older, right? And he's yeah. uh, and and he does. He's sort of uh, experiencing it. He it, not like it's a new thing. He's sort of like a, a you know guiding along. He he sort of has control of his fact. He sort of sees what's happening, and um, it, 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 not just an observer. These people, they, I mean, they they've spent. You log on to Twitter. You might have the same opinions as them. They've spent years like seeing. Yeah. Internet communication: what works, what doesn't. How, how, like they saw, oh well, that guy was a big star poster. He had a real identity. Um they're they, they've been in the game. Uh, you know, these these things like Twitter stuff come out. And they're brand new. Oh, they're brand new, but they're not brand new to people like this. They've been. They had a, a, a pretty relatively close experience, and they they were sort of tra- they learned what works and what doesn't. Online, these people, these feminists and stuff, these these these, these crazy things that, that you see, uh, the, the weird pandering, and you don't understand like how it's so successful. They know it's successful because they saw uh, what worked and what didn't back at the something awful back at the Japewill back at the the Slate Star Codex. You know what I mean?
2: It's yeah. it's a farm system. It was a farm system for. You know, this is a new form of media, and as I said last time, we we were talking, media is a machine that creates public opinion. So anybody who finds a new way to be able to do that, you know, it's that's they're building a better mousetrap. So they're you they're gonna you're gonna find those people, and they're gonna head to to the top. And uh, if you think that we're overstating it, it's like uh, if you think of the progressive like uh, Bogby said, blue check, but like, you know, people who were either the freelance writers who, who got on somewhere or, you know, the big, the biggest podcast, political podcast in the country is like uh, four, four guys who were all in, weren't they all in like the same something, something awful form. Like, they're all from the same, like little form. Like, it's not even a big, big form. It's like a joke, an irony joke for them. And, and, uh,
1: but they also learned a craft there.
2: Yeah, my question, my what have I've really wondered about HTML. Is it, so you you saw the <laughs> I guess essentially pro war bloggers, which is what Klein and Maddie Iglesias were. Do you think they they really influenced public opinion of young people towards support of the war?
0: No, I think they. Uh, well, I maybe some of their nerdy peers. I mean it was such a small world back then online. Ezra is a genius at interpersonal schmoozing. I mean he's if if you go by how people on the internet and journalists and bloggers look, young Ezra was a pretty good-looking guy. He had an insanely valuable ability to charm older men like Paul Krugman or Dean Baker or whatever, in a sort of filial way, like, oh, look at this kid. I wish he was my son type thing. So he cultivated mm-hmm. these, in the background, relationships with all these established journalists and people in government, and he worked his way up the ladder. In contrast to Iglesias, who you could probably tell, but also I've heard you know, from people who've met him. He's an obnoxious guy. No matter what, his sort of affect yeah. online is is his personality. So he wasn't going to rise in the same way. Ezra has true political sense in the in the interpersonal sense, and um, so he used those skill. I mean, to, to because Ezra's a kid of like teachers. Um, he's I mean, yes, he's PMC and, uh, and a child of the PMC, but he was a fuck-up in high school. You know, he didn't have an elite education a, and live in Manhattan, at, son of a famous novelist like Matt Iglesias was. So Ezra had to do it a little bit differently.
1: Having a bad cop as, as a as your as a buddy is not not a bad thing, by the way. Because uh, yeah, uh, any of the bad, any of the, the the toughest business decisions or something, you say, ah, well, you know, Matt insisted on that, you know.
2: Yeah, you want a nasty little worm for some things, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's, that's so perfect. That's right. And, and they uh, honestly, guys, I mean, they didn't. I I don't think they ever met each other until like. I don't know, probably two thousand three or four, but as soon as both of them got noticed independently, uh, of course, Matt uh, Iglesias went professional first. He was like the most, the earliest professional, uh, a person to step from amateur to paid blogging. They always cited each other as soon as they made that connection online. Oh, Matt says this. Oh, Ezra says that. Because that's what blogging was. You, you took a news item, you added you, your commentary that you thought of, and then you also incorporated other people's comments. And that's what they did constantly. So they were always helping each other. Well, uh, Iglesias got the first step. He got hired by the American prospect. Which is sort of a generic left liberal magazine, sort of in between the Nation and the New Republic. He got hired there first. Well, what does he do from his professional perch? He cites Ezra's shit all the time. So Ezra owes him, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they owe each other in a professional way. So they've always it, it's yeah. been like this nasty punditry. Uh, rod of caduceus where two snakes are like wrapped around each other that that's what they've done their whole fucking career
2: yeah uh, oliver oliver lee bateman will tell you all about this when it comes to writing there are people who you know who who, who will who write things that are diametrically opposed to the stuff that he writes you know who would probably call would, would would you know in a vacuum call him some kind of you know bad political term or whatever, but like they're privately (laughs) professionally, they're all, uh, handshakes and stuff. And this is just, I think this is a part of being a a creative, at least in the 20, 21st century, perhaps before is that you're scratching the hell out of each other's backs.
0: It's the, uh, coyote and the sheepdog type thing, you know, (laughs) where are they fight all day? And then the, the, uh, the whistle goes off, and that you know they.
1: push yeah, the most? <laughs> yeah. Um. The the the, m- the most egregious example was that the Milo and that one and the UK feminist. Oh God. Where it, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was like I mean it was coordinated on the level of like professional wrestling like like okay, okay I'm gonna you know I'm gonna uh, you know uh, fake open up a gash on my face like uh, uh, one, one of my he's gonna play one of the greatest like uh (laughs) to me uh i always think of this um uh, the earliest moment of this was uh um muhammad ali had a had a fight with a with a jobber uh with with a guy who who, who, the journeyman fighter it was going to be a squash match there wasn't really much interest in the fight yet they hadn't sold out yet and uh and Muhammad Ali went to the guy, and, and uh, uh, they were gonna they were gonna do a promo, a, a TV interview. And Muhammad backstage, Muhammad Ali said, uh, "said Hey, uh, when we go out there, he said, uh, I want you to call me the N word." And, uh, and and uh, and and I don't think I don't think he agreed to do it. But but you but uh, it's almost like a like a funny like a like a, a heartwarming anti racist moment of you call me the N word of like like we're gonna conspire together. To um to uh, uh uh help each other, you know, they're we're both going to make more money because of this, you did know. You, but anyways,
2: did you guys yeah. see the Jordan documentary? No, uh, Jordan did, did the opposite of this, and this is it's so incredibly Jordan. It's, he would he would like in, mentally invent. Bad, bad things that uh, somebody, that his opponent would said about him and get mad about them and tell other people they were true <laughs> just to fire himself up. So he, he's kind of, it's kind of Jordan is Jordan. He was doing the opposite of that. He was like, he was uh, involuntarily recruiting these people to be his uh, bulletin board material. So one of the things,
1: I, 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 um, okay. So with, with going, going to Ezra Klein's so one of the things that sort of um, it's hard to miss. So uh it, it, Every One of the reasons people cite that, that New York Times has just always been uh, uh, just so strong is just the fact of how um, authoritative. And, you know, it, it's difficult to tell in hindsight, like, like how much like um. So there's a mix of like uh, we're programmed to that because they're New York Times. But sort of their font, their graphic design yeah. is just very it's very good. It, it's very, very imposing. It's very authoritative. Vox definitely they might have i'm sure they might have stole it from someone else and so uh i don't know if you've heard of like uh, humans of flat design and stuff um there's some kind of art style or or their graphic design is very like um there's tons of people that copy it now uh, uh aj plus is straight up rip um there's uh uh onion did a bunch of videos that didn't mention vox at all but you could tell it they was, were trying to make fun of vox right. really uh stumbled onto a, a really clever very authoritative very obama uh i mean it, it fact really, checking. we're fact checking everything
2: it, it, yeah
1: cool. um uh what was what, what, the, uh, the adam questions everything like oh hold on you don't have the facts here um, a graphic design that really expressed that—that's that, that, uh, the turbo boosters for for Vox, in my my opinion.
2: You you bring well, this the, up all the time, Bob well, Beef. Uh, <laughs> you said you, the more right wing a, a website is, the worse its graphic design is going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a, a Curtis Yarvin quote. He came on the show. Uh, he one of the to me one of his greatest quotes here was uh, uh, just. D- the, the the worse the, the graphic design, the more right wing the website is.
0: That, that sounds right. From my experience of the Bush era blogs. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and what you're saying about Fox is, it, I mean, that's kind of perfect. It's the aesthetic follows the ideology because the ideology of, of Ezra and Iggy and the people like that, uh, is wonkishness. It, it, it's, it's about, mm-hmm. it, it's an affected empiricism. They're not ideological. There's no hard They're decisions.
1: There's no hard decisions. There's just like, uh, there's a, there's like a weird fact that can sort of solve any of these, these tough problems
0: and stuff. Right, right, right. That That's, that's sincerely what they thought. And, in um, uh, you guys, on I mean, your sports guys, you know what coaching trees are. Well, I mean, I kind of think of like uh, how these pundits uh, go back and replicate each other copy, and have a certain lineage like coaching trees, except think of the coach as an institution. Uh, all this mm-hmm. wonk shit uh, that Iggy, Ezra, and the – Uh, Bush-era blogosphere, that that was sort of the signature liberalism of that era. Uh, Brad DeLong, Paul Krugman, those type people. It goes back, there's two different coaching trees that it all goes back to. Uh, 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 The New Republic of Marty Peretz uh, in the 80s and the Washington Monthly of Charlie Peters. And you think of any middle-aged guy now, uh, sometimes neocon, but mostly like centrist, they were from one of those places or both. Mickey Kaus, James Fallows, uh, uh, Michael uh The tech, the text winner of blogging. All, all these, yeah, all these people. Well, that's what was in the air. Because, I mean, before the Bush era, uh, before war blogging, And the Bush era blogosphere, there wasn't really politics on the internet. It was shit that was happening in the culture in the 90s, the end of history shit. We just want facts. We just want, you know, bullshit empiricism. So all this Mm -hmm. goes back to that era, and all these people who were especially big then, I mean, who did you see on Crossfire in 2001? It was like Michael Kinsley and. I don't know who's the right wing guy before Tucker. All these people were on television, and they had all the prestige places in, you know, legacy media. That's who the young guys—Iggy, Ezra, Dave Weigel, uh, Brian Bootler—all these guys. That's who they wanted to be. That's who they looked up to, and that was the ideological ideological signature that they grabbed for. Uh Ezra is a dumb guy. I don't mean stupid. I mean he's ignorant. Uh, he famously admitted that he couldn't even find Iraq on a map when he was, you know, saying let's have an Iraq war. Um, <laughs> I, so seriously. And, and that's funny because Vox is like they, – they've done some famous gaffes. Yeah. Remember uh, Zach Beauchamp uh, pretended that uh, – or – Zach Beauchamp thought that the uh, Israel and Palestine were connected by a bridge. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, I remember that yeah. <laughs> Ezra Klein doesn't know shit, and to his credit, he knew that he didn't know shit. So what does he do as a shtick besides you know rhetoric and brown nosing? He decides to read shitty white papers from think tanks. That's his specialty. So that's how Ezra Klein became the Internet's healthcare expert at a convenient oh time God. right when Obama gets in. He doesn't know shit about Jeez. shit, but he's taken the the trouble to read all the trash that Brookings and Heritage and all these crappy think tanks have uh, created about healthcare policy. There's his expertise. There's Mr. Wonk telling you how the facts about healthcare.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this is what everybody does about public policy now. Like, well, I'm going to cite these. You know, if if you're listening to this, what should really scare you is when you're thinking about people like Ezra Klein, Maglacia's, whatever. Uh, it's the the next generation of of these guys are are doing the same thing that they that they were doing, but uh, now this like the New York Times, Twitter, whatever. Uh, they're fact checkers I, I guess the new york times probably has real fact checkers but like twitter outsources it to like the ad uh, to like stuff like the uh, adl the southern Poverty law center like snopes.com
0: yeah you're right. getting
2: these people who are, who are you know just the same kind of person who they're going to have not direct power but they're going to have like power over whatever you say online eventually like twitter's already got to the point where if you say a fact that is uh, you know, the official sources do not agree with that you can get fucking banned for it. They just shut down OANN yeah. for a week on YouTube because yep. they said stuff about the, the bat flu that they don't agree with.
0: Absolutely. I don't think that there was a golden age when all the journalists were actually smart, but they were definitely smarter back then. As far as, you know, like you, uh, I know you had logo on and one of logos deals is showing how education has changed. From the 19th century to now, you had to know Latin and Greek to, to get into college back then to have an education. Vidal mm. used to mm. make this point too. Well, now you can be like Ezra and you know Ezra probably knows Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and some of the 20th century presidents. You can be an absolute idiot about basic information. You just you don't have to know anything in order to be woke or to be an expert on a very narrow and very shallow slice of policy. You don't have to know anything else. And that's why it's so easy. They can farm these kids now. You don't have to know politics or theory or philosophy or history to woke scold a movie. All you have to do is be a moralist. Of the of the most primitive kind, you know, it's personal moralism. Ooh, that that seems bigoted to me. That's all you have to do, and and if you can ride it out, you've got a job. If they want to give it to
2: you. The funny thing is, you're you're a Vidal guy, so you, I don't know if you've ever delved into like Henry Adams stuff that Henry Adams wrote. Yeah, uh, he, he talked about this. He talked about how. Essentially, he got a, you know, a classical education, you know, in the humanities, 19th century style. And there, there were all these technological changes happening in, in towards the end of his life, into the 19th, early 20th century. He's like, you know, this uh, the, the education we got just absolutely didn't help us for for the for what the coming world. I'm I'm re- I'm so glad that young people are going to be getting scientific education instead of this. And uh, actually, <laughs> he, he, he he was kind of a swing and a miss on that one because. It, it produces these kind of people who you you know you can say what you want about the humanity. Like, uh, there used to be a, a in in the eighties and nineties uh, movements to like, well, do we we need to keep teach the kids about reading, writing, and arithmetic? We don't need necessarily that. You you know you do kind of need that, especially for college graduates. Like they should fucking read Plato. You know they they should learn yeah. these things because it it, it 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 changes you in in a very subtle way. And plus, it's just a, it's a good way to keep these kind of people out. You don't want someone like <laughs> Ezra Klein having his hand on the lever of power. I mean, I mean, that's a mean thing to say, but it's true.
1: What this oh, it did? Is true. So one of these, one of these things about so the thing about the Greek and Latin, right? So uh, it's like okay, you got to know Greek and Latin to apply to apply to Harvard, right? To not, not yeah. to not like what you do there. I mean, to apply. And this yeah. isn't like well, you know, my brother knows Spanish. But this means – so these are dead languages first off. Now, that – if you meet – so if you think about, like, your average, like, woke person and assigning them to a dead language, um, uh, like, it, it it doesn't work. It's um, an IQ
2: test. It's a, it's a 19th century IQ test.
1: Now, what, what, you're, right. do, what you're doing there – so you're transcribing – and this isn't like, oh, they want to have conversations that. What they're doing – you have to transcribe these these basically cultural texts – uh, uh, back and forth, and um, and that is beats it into your head. What, what is like, what is when you got rid of that? Basically, some people say like, oh well, liberalism, you know, it has no opinion on culture. Just whatever you want to do, you can do it at any time. Oh, okay, like Voltaire might have said that, but um, okay, to to go to school, to go to to take classes from Voltaire, you had to spend. Um, you know, like ten years, um, beating all this, like, uh, uh, these. It doesn't like it doesn't matter if it's superior or it's good or it teaches you. Like, there, there was a, um, you were inculturated into a into an ongoing, an ongoing thing. Now, once you got rid of that, this is sort of now like, um, university just becomes like a a beyond thunderdome of of uh, <laughs> of confident ideologies that just want to step up and say like like okay uh, maybe we could take a shot at running things and uh, you you lose like the going concern and stuff like this is like a a bigger it's not like like those things made you intelligent uh uh, another sh- short short analogy here. So in the NBA, uh, uh, a lot of people would like to move the NBA to to running with short players. A lot of times, uh, to, to, to 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 move to a shorter guy. Why is that? Because there's like there's like 50 people in the United in North America that are seven feet tall, and <laughs> and, and and you you're you're selecting from a shorter uh, a base of people. If you can choose from people who are six four, and you have millions and millions. And you can have people that are really, really good at stuff. Okay, so if Azure Klein doesn't need to if you if you can hire people that like don't need to be filtered through these things that are are like, uh, uh, they can, they can transcribe the long sections of, 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 uh, of Cicero or whatever. Uh, you can pick people that are just like the pure essence of social, of like, of like social dominance. These people who like, uh, uh, I don't know I don't know how to say it because like uh the the, the mean girls the, the queen bee people like this um uh I, I think someone like him is like a terminator you know he's like a <laughs> uh, uh he, he, he you know he's a mark uh, uh Hank aaron uh, of of that sort of thing
2: yeah you get courtiers I, that's what you're getting
0: oh absolutely yeah yeah they're they're providing exactly what the people who what the rulers of the country want I mean they're publicists. I mean that's really what they are. they're not really pundits they're publicists. Mm-hmm. they do pr for uh, the d c consensus and it, I mean, Ezra is especially transparent about it because that's what he talks about even he wants consensus he loves it. He talks about uh, there was a fad uh, like in two thousand four uh, the radical center and uh uh a different party that would take all the things, you know, both sides have good, they're good and bad points. Would take all the smart things from each one and combine them. It's like he's he's doing the job that he's supposed to do, but he, he's so dumb he doesn't even realize it. Because, you know, that's exactly what he's doing already. He's already making the perfect centrist party. It's the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was thinking that when you said yeah, do they realize that that's what they cuz in boy 2016 just sped it up incredibly fast. Like we you know, all these these announcements, these people Biden's picking to run things. It it's like a, it's like an a fucking all-star game for just huge pieces of shit in in politics.
0: It's going to be so, you know, people were saying, well maybe it's going to be like Obama's administration and You know, because Biden's so old and he was sort of formed in the late 80s. It's going to be like a combination of the first, you know, Bill Clinton and Obama. But no, he I think I think Kamala's, you know, I mean, that's inevitable. She's going to be probably within a year. What we're seeing is the delayed Hillary Clinton administration. It's different. It's, (laughs) It's everything that was bad about Obama and Bill Clinton but with all the woke shit on top of it, it's it's going to be so bad. And all those people, like we're saying, oh well, if Biden wins, then it'll you know put the culture war on the back burner. No, it fucking won't. It's <laughs> gonna, it's going to be so bad now. Um, I don't buy that. I don't
2: buy that he believe that he believes that. I don't buy that any of them believe that. I think their primary motivation is these these little niche things they constantly complain about. You know hating getting in the way that's the real that's the real meat for these people that's why they're they're gonna keep playing singing the same fucking song and dance every time but yeah i remember I remember that I remember that post it was it was it was astounding to me it was like you you just found a way to win and get power and to not only beat your opponents but beat your intra party rivals it's like well thank God now that they've won they're gonna stop using that because that's that's how it fucking works right you get a, a unbeatable weapon, and you just you stick it away, and you never use it again.
1: <laughs> is there any point where where these these white guys these uh, that we were, so we've only all these guys are white guys? Is there any point where, uh, or especially in, in his case, you know, going to the DSA meeting? Is there any point where there, that's like you know the ideology? You, a lot of times, the strong recommendations for what should happen to uh, a white gentleman. Uh, does anybody ever, ever feel any, I, I don't that's not really a point to explore, but it just makes me like, you know, the, the sort of things that come out of this woke stuff and you're Matt, you're just strolling into the, the DSA meeting. Hey, let's do this. We're going to, you know, uh, we're going to do this socialism thing. I don't know. Let's, let's not explore that, but it's just. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I, uh, Mark was talking about that post and and I gave more benefit of the doubt. I, I, all right, I'll take him as, at his word. I think what it is is he's too chicken shit to confront all these people that he says annoy him. Okay, if they do annoy you, if all the culture war shit is getting on your nerves, you have more power to do something about it than I. You're there. You're at. You're in a DSA meeting. You work at fucking Jacob. what you're hoping? Said, for, that's his job, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, what he's hoping for is to is for Joe Biden to help him avoid confronting all of his obnoxious peers. If, if, that's, if, if I take him at his word, then he's just looking for an out so he doesn't have to stick up um, for class-based shit. Um, so he doesn't have to confront these people because it would be, well, like you say, Bob, what would happen? We know where the ideology goes. By the by, the way, just as a
1: side note, Jackman was allegedly going to be a safe harbor for these kinds of people, right? Well, this, this will, this will, this is where we can just sort of buckle down on the class stuff. And we'll, we'll, we'll let set the set the other stuff at the door. Um, yeah, that that that's
0: that's gone. That's gone.
2: They got their own version of conquest law, and it's it's basically anything that's not explicitly anti. Uh, I guess. To steal the terrible word "id poll" is going to eventually become "id poll." <laughs> if you, that's just the way it
0: works. We had political. I mean, I'm older than you guys, and I was a kid, but I can remember like political correctness 1.0, and it wasn't like this. I mean, it was bad and stupid, but mm. it wasn't. It wasn't like this. This is different. I think what we had, and we didn't know it was this weird synthesis of all the moral energy of the moral majority back then uh, combined with the weird Foucauldian kind of uh, thinking about power relations and, and, uh, and, and speech policing on the other side. And it was dormant. You know, it was, like I said before, it was in little pockets here and there, sort of mutating and growing. And then uh, right when social media, like this period, 2006 to like 2009 and and Obama's start, it started to come up. uh, Sort of a slight tangent, but I just remembered something I wanted to bring up uh, that ties into this. Wesley Yang had a really interesting thread last year about how venture capital funded all these clickbait sites uh, in the two in the 2010s mostly, and they sort of cynically pushed this wokeness, you know, this this new thing, this social justice, all this stuff, to an audience of true believers, and eventually it blew up because it's not a sustainable model. Plus, wokeness is so insane and such a purist ideology that it blew up the press rooms inside each of these institutions. You know, they all had their sex creep scandals. They all had their, oh, white guy got the job and, and, and screwed the minority out of it, and, and that's not woke, blah, 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 right? I mean, you all know what I'm talking about because all those little things happen. And he was saying how um, one of the first instances he knew of of um, an online media organ like that, like an online magazine or whatever, uh, pushing wokeness for clicks was Salon. And I remembered that. That's before I quit the internet, and I saw it. And I, I, I you know, living through this when wokeness is in little pockets, and then it comes up in Shakespeare. she sort of, she's sort of like. You know, if if Yang is right that they 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 pushed it from the top down, VC capital and these clickbait sites, sites like Shakespeare built it from the ground up, and they eventually met in the middle in the Obama years. Do you, do you all follow me, or am I just being bullshit? Yeah, no, no, it yeah. makes sense, yeah. I, I, so it sort of met in the middle. Well, I saw the first of that before I quit paying attention for like five years. I saw that and I knew something, you know, like I'm not telling you I predicted all this. I didn't, but I knew something had changed and it was fucked up because Salon had been, you know, they published. it was Camille Paglia, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: Back then it was like it was kind of a main, mainstream liberal, you know, you, you, you weren't getting cr- you know, crazy takes from them.
0: No, no, not at all. And then they hired Glenn Greenwald. His entree to paid journalism, his first paid gig, was Salon, right? And so, you know, I, I read it like most every day that I was doing this stuff. And then all of a sudden, about 2008, you know, like I say, this period here when uh, social media is is making the audience for this shit, Right and Shakespeare has made the audience for this shit, and more people have smartphones, all of a sudden Salon starts printing Mary Beth Williams, who's like the Woke's Gold agony aunt. You know, it's like lifestyle. Ooh, I, this person <laughs> was mean to me in the store today, and I think they're sexist, that sort of shit, every day, right? And then they, they printed this guy like, uh, I remember his name was Daniel D'Addario, and every other day he would woke scold didn't even know that word then. I didn't invent it yet. Uh, he would he would he would critique a TV show or a movie uh, you know, was this gay character sympathetic? No, it wasn't. Does this mean that you know that they're homophobic? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it, that, was, that was new then that I mean you only had seen that before on amateur shit like Shakespeare. But all of a sudden, this is coming from the top. This is corporate media, right? And it sort of set the stage. And then you've got, you know, Gawker turned into that. I mean, Gawker's a whole other story, but Gawker eventually turned into that. Uh, You have all these other, you know, Gawker-related ones, the cut, uh, uh, Slate eventually turned into something like that. All these... Mm -hmm online magazines turned... Uh, you can't read a normal fucking movie review anymore. Yeah. It's a woke review or no. a fandom review.
2: Yeah, and people... I remember you, you kind of could see this happening in slow motion. And uh, the theory was that, well, this is this is profitable. You're going to get all these golfers and close <laughs> speeds because they make money. They don't make money. It's the opposite don't. of that. They're, they're terrible for, for making money. But what this is is it's she uses this phrase earlier. We like to use it on here. It's a social technology. And here's how it works. You take this pestilence into the, into, into the uh, writing room, boardroom, whatever. and you now have a language that you speak and that you can speak upwards to, to power. And just attack these like boom, like boomer and Gen X people who just have no. They have they're like uh, they're like Native Americans with smallpox. They've got no immunity to this. They don't know how to deal with it. And you can you can push them out. You can steal their job. And more importantly, uh, if you've ever if you've ever been in a job where like you could bullshit your way without doing work, well, this is oh yeah, this is perfect for that. You can, you can you can say like you know well hey the, my my job uh, we love that Evergreen documentary that guy made and he's good he he shows a clip of this I don't know, she there wasn't a professor but she worked for Evergreen College and she's like oh yeah my job is to be professionally gay that, they pay me to, to talk about my experience as a gay person and it's like well I mean that's fucking an amazing deal if you can yeah. get paid to just just be. Uh, why wouldn't you want to do that? And that's why these, these companies go out of business. But it, it, you know, who cares? They they like locust. They move on to the next thing and the next thing. And uh, what you're saying actually makes this this make more sense now.
1: To to go full circle, uh, Iglesias posted a thing uh, uh, a couple of days. So so there's there's big news that's happened lately. Iglesias has left Vox, right? That's 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 wild. And one of the things he um, he he's gotten real cagey lately and he he doesn't tell you straight up, but he's basically saying that he's getting bullied out by by this kind of thing. And uh, one of the examples he posts, you guys are talking about movie reviews. He said he – and these things popping at weird places. One of the examples that he posted, and he, he'll never, he won't put it together now. He will let like, grumble and stuff. And one of the things he said was, this is from a review of the new PlayStation 5 uh, controller. <laughs> and there was a long, lengthy section about there uh, uh, advocating the immediate overthrow of the United States government.
2: <laughs> and –
1: the, the installation of uh, of of some of you know uh, uh seeding uh Nevada to uh, to a, a tribe and um and, and all this all this insane stuff and this was like uh this took up the bulk of a of a of a hardware review and and and, and things and, and like and so he's walking the door he's quitting the job to go back by the way back to blogging which is a lot of this is one of the the we're 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 all we're back in we're back in the Obama years again. Uh, and and really as brilliant. he's doing it, just like, just like the woman at the New York Times, um, the, uh, the, the the pro-Israel lady, um, very they, wise, uh,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. When they leave, when they get run off, they still don't say, "Well, these are the motherfuckers who did it." They they they're still scared.
2: Yeah, they're long in the tooth. They can't play the game anymore, so they're like they're, they're on the margins. And he's not—he's not big enough to get to, to uh, promoted to New York Times like his buddy. And you know, maybe the shit that he's saying about this is marketing. And maybe, maybe you you, you know what? You—you you probably can make more money on Substack than you can at Vox now that like the their their funding's dried up. There's, you know, they don't. Uh, whoever, whoever, whoever was the angel investor for Vox, they don't need them anymore. They, the mission's accomplished.
0: I believe it was NBC.
2: Yeah, so there you go. Uh, thanks, thanks for your work. Here's your gold watch. Don't let the door hit you on the way. Uh, help you on the ass on the way out.
0: Well, Ezra landed in a better place, but he was going to. I mean, bit like, like I was telling you guys, it, he's a likable guy behind the scenes. Apparently, Matt Iglesias is an obnoxious dipshit. Uh, I don't think anybody likes him now. I, I think you're all right about it being several different things. I think it's hype. A, a tip off to that was it was Connor Friedersdorf who did the, you know, who sort of wrote the story about it being wokeness that drove Iglesias out. And then he went to preach his stupid bubble theory from Cass Sunstein about it. But I think there is something to it. On the other hand, because remember when the Vox movie reviewer sort of said, this was a few months ago, that uh, when Iglesias signed the free speech letter, it made her literally feel threatened for her life. You know, this is a... <laughs> no, remember, this is a trans person. and, yeah, and yeah, I remember you,
2: this.
0: Okay, but or, once again, this goes back to the old days. it it was a different name. They started on the AV club, which was another cesspit of proto wokeness. So there may have been some stuff behind the scenes. And here's the thing about Ezra. I think he, he cut his buddy's throat and maybe he did. He was the guy in charge, you know, when all this happened at at blocks,
1: he he looks like the protagonist in a, in a Aaron Sorkin show. He,
0: he is that, I mean, he is the poster child of, 2009, the social network era, right? You know, the dawn of the Obama age. Making their way the only way they know how. Let's just.